0: Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. You can learn more at CriteriaForSuccess.com. That's CriteriaForSuccess.com. All December, we've been talking and writing about business advisors, coaches, and mentors. You can check out the blog for best practices, information, and advice for you and your team. In this CFS Talk Sales Roundtable, we'll be talking about working with mentors, advisors, and coaches. I hope you enjoy today's discussion. This is Elizabeth Frederick, Operations Officer and Senior Advisor, and with me today, I have a full house. We have our Director of Marketing, Rebecca Toomey. Hello. We have our CEO, Charles Bernard. Good day to you. <laughs> our Marketing and Innovation Manager, Ariana Miskel. Hello. And our Sales Advisor, Natalia Novakovic.
1: How's everybody doing today?
0: (laughs) All right. So Charles, Rebecca, and I worked together and co-wrote this month's ebook, which is called The Difference Between Advisors, Coaches, and Mentors, and How They Can Help You Skyrocket Your Career. It's kind of a mouthful of a title, (laughs) but it's a mouthful of content. There's a lot of great content in there. So really encourage everybody to check that out and download a copy. You can find the notes for today's show as well as information about how you can download that ebook and probably 10,000 other resources that we'll identify in today's conversation at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 111. We are in podcast episode 111. <laughs> Indeed. So let's get started. Um, I actually am going to do something that we don't always do. And before we jump into questions, I wanted to quickly define some terms because we're using the words advisor, coach, and mentor. And to us, those are different terms and they have different meanings. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that we're all clear uh, for a those of us internally uh, as we begin this recording, but for our listeners as well. So to us, business advisors are generally providing high-level strategic advice, um, either to one key executive or sometimes to an entire leadership team or an entire organization. Coaches are tending more to work with individuals, and they often will focus on very specific areas of growth. And both a coach and a business advisor typically are a paid position where you're going to engage somebody um, and pay them to work with you. We often find that mentors are providing kind of similar coaching uh, and support, but that's usually free. Um, So if you want to learn more about those definitions, uh, Rebecca and I had a really great discussion in podcast episode 107. So that's criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 107. And uh, we talked a lot about the differences between those, but... um, that's that's where you could kind of find a deep dive. So now that we understand the terms, um, why do you guys think that mentoring, coaching, or having a business advisor is important?
2: I think you got to have something at stake, meaning mm-hmm. it's meaningful to you if you resolve something. I oftentimes see people hiring a coach or a mentor or a business advisor because it's a good idea, more like the mentor and coach, I guess, not so much the business advisor, But I think it's going to mean enough so that you'll not only find someone good, but implement the coaching they give you.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. I think a lot of times um, people just think it's a nice to have. It's like check the box. I should have a coach because people say I should have a coach. But if you don't really have a concern, if you don't have something you want to work on, um, you're not going to really approach it effectively. Great point, Charles. That is a really good point. And mine uh,
3: is kind of similar, but I think it's important to have a coach or an advisor because it's really hard sometimes to remove yourself from a situation or anything relating to work and look at it objectively, especially if it's your business. I can imagine that it's pretty difficult to remove yourself and make a decision for um, the betterment of the company as a whole, or maybe a specific person other than yourself. Um, and I think it's just really important to have an outside perspective, especially when coming up with new ideas too. Definitely.
4: All right, guys, I don't want to get too deep on you here, but (laughs) (laughs) we're all on a journey in life, right? Like all of us, it's human nature to want to handle everything ourselves because who could do it better than us, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. We often know what we don't know. We often don't know what we don't know. Right, Charles? Uh, oh
2: yeah, I often don't know what I don't know. <laughs>
4: that's a saying that I hear you say a lot, but it's so true. We lack, a lot of times we'll lack direction or purpose or maybe we just don't know what's next. It, you know, they talk about a lot of times when they ask people what they want to do, People know what they don't want to do, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they don't know what it is that they actually want. So I think that of all the roles, you know, all the roles we're talking about here, mentors, coaches, advisors, they all have different skills and capacities. It's about finding the right fit, but there is really great power and potential to help us to know what we don't know and discover things that are just beyond, you know, ourselves, our own mental capabilities. I love that. So
1: true. Yeah. Just about being willing
4: for someone to help you.
1: Yeah. Good point. Definitely. I think coaching is important for really a variety of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, assuming both parties are bought in, both are going to be honing their skills, right? It's kind of a win-win situation. The coach gets to practice coaching. The person being coached is learning a lot and you know, they're, they're actually solving problems or overcoming uh, concerns that they've had. Uh, a good coach will actually help you identify areas where you can improve and is not afraid to tie them back to training content and materials, if need be. You want somebody who will take you back to the basics if it's really necessary to do so, but on the same token, you want someone who's going to kind of help you take the next step. So,
0: Yeah, I think um, a lot of those positions really apply, especially to people who are um, experiencing a next step, whether that's at an organizational level or whether that's in your own career. Um, Anytime you're transitioning, let's say you just got promoted, or you're looking to get promoted and likely to get promoted quickly, um, or as an organization, if you're going through a change, that's one of the most important times to bring in an advisor, a mentor, or a coach, um, just to tell you about the things that you might not be able to foresee um, in that next stage of your journey. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, so we are all about storytelling, and that's a big part of um, of how we, we learn and we feel like people learn. So um, I'm sure we all have, or many of us will have stories about how we might have worked with a mentor or a coach
4: or an advisor. So I'd um, like to share a story. I will start us off. This is Rebecca, and I shared a brief version of this story in the ebook, but I'll go kind of expand it a little bit here. Uh, when I was 23, I started a sales job. And on my first day, my boss gave me three books to read. He gave me The Purpose Driven Life, The Fred Factor, and How to Win Friends and Influence People. And now I'm sure you guys are like, wow, three books at one time is kind of a lot. But I didn't have to read them all at once. He actually had a whole schedule that was part of our onboarding process. Um, but The Purpose Driven Life is actually a 40-day challenge book. And it's really challenge you, challenging you on what is your purpose in this life? And what are you doing? How are you going to make a difference in the world that we're in? And that was a really cool piece of mentoring through the use of a, of a book to kind of get things kicked off. And what I really loved about it was the way that he provided a framework for me and that he also was bringing me into a very specific mission-driven, people-driven company and process. And I, I loved that. So he served as my mentor and coach in the beginning in many ways. And kind of a life advisor. I remember sitting in his office and him asking me, what's your one-year, three-year, five-year, and ten-year plan? And, <laughs> you know, when you're 23 and someone asks you, what what do you want to, you know, where do you see yourself in ten years? You're like, um, Old. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I can't respond to this. Not living in a studio apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it was pretty hard to fathom thinking about that ten-year goal back then. But, you know, he helped get me in that framework and that mindset of goal setting and achieving things and, you know, setting milestones for yourself. So that was a really cool thing. And I know that it also wasn't a selfish thing. He sincerely wanted what was best for me, whether it was me working for him or working somewhere else. He just wanted to help develop me. So that was a cool thing. And of course, he's the one that taught me how to time block (laughs) and all about time blocking. And you guys know I talk about that in every episode of this podcast. So you you can thank him for that. But after I was at the company for a while, he provided me with the opportunity to get outside mentorship. And that was a really cool thing that really... Transform my career. I felt like it's like when your kids are growing up and they hit a growth spurt, and you know your the shoe size goes from a you know a six to like a ten. And (laughs) over the summer, that's how I felt when I started to get that outside mentorship. That I really just grew as a person in my understanding of myself. And um, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. So I'm definitely an advocate for mentorship at different levels. But you know, I know there's a lot of sales managers that are on. That listen to this podcast, and just to encourage them to, you know, remember that you're a mentor to your team, mm-hmm. you know, on the day to day, and that you know you have you have an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives too. Definitely, um, I have such a
0: similar experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. So um, I moved to New York when I was 22. Um, I just, I lived in Michigan. Um, I'm from a very, very small town and I just sold my car and moved, which is something I can't even believe looking back that I did. (laughs) Um, and my first professional job, I was working at an investment research company and we brought a senior guy um, on board named Jim. Um, to help grow the business and it was a it was a startup we were a very small team um, and Jim really took an interest in, in helping me grow as a professional and um, so he and I would meet regularly both um, within the context of doing our job but we'd, we'd meet outside the office as well and he did the same thing we, we got books together and went through them one of them was actually I think it's called getting things done okay. um, and it was all about uh, scheduling and time management and anytime I actually managed to go back into those habits <laughs> um, and you know my inbox zero uh, philosophy, and I'm certainly not there right now, but um, anytime I get back into those habits, I think back to to what I learned from him. And just having that support, having that coaching, having somebody um, interested in helping you as a person, helping you grow as a professional, kind of willing to work with you through um, Things that that you're very unfamiliar with, you know. That was where I went to my first ever networking event, mm-hmm. um, and first ever kind of business conference, and just the the simple thing, just not knowing how to how do you do that, you know? Um, what's the room going to be like? What's my role going to be? Um, having that coaching and support, especially when you're very um, new in your career, is so incredibly helpful. And um, he was a great resource. We've kind of fallen out of touch. I actually look him up periodically, and I cannot track him down. It's crazy in 2018 that you can't find somebody. He has a common last name. He's off the grid. Um, no, but. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's just a funny thing to look back. That was a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, and think of what a difference he made in my career. That's awesome.
4: That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. So I'll tell you a story of um, when I was pretty much a coach. I, for a long time, was a director of training compliance for a company that did outside sales in the telecom industry and uh, we basically launched a new office and they were not too close to new york so there was a little bit more of a back and forth but they were doing a lot of you know what our guys here locally here in new york were doing so we wanted to approach everybody one shot and really make sure that uh, the whole team was getting everything we could give them so you know i had a little bit less of a sales type of role initially more content design delivery of training etc but uh, with time, my CEO realized that, hey, you've sold stuff before, right? So maybe you can kind of like mentor these guys on sales a little bit. So there we go. That's kind of that happened. how that happened. And um, as a coach... I actually helped increase sales by 20% over three months. The The initial pilot team I was working with was a team of 10, and we ended up kind of expanding to, you know, everybody else. And I think at our biggest, we had like 60, 70 reps total wow. across multiple offices. Uh, with the team of 10, initially, we started by doing one-on-one meetings first and kind of figuring out what the problem areas were. Uh, We moved on to structured team meetings. We kind of noticed patterns of multiple people kind of having the same types of issues. So we decided to have structured team meetings and, you know, not really let everybody know that, hey, John's having this issue and Mary's having that one. But, you know, kind of really neutrally saying we've noticed that a lot of people have this obstacle. So we wanted to talk about it Mm -hmm. kind of like a, a very neutral type of environment. And uh, we touched on their concerns and issues that each rep had. We looked to overcome the obstacles, kind of practice pitch, all sorts of you know different activities alongside of that. And uh, really, the, the hard part was to deal with the, the part of the team that was remote from New York because the majority of our guys are in New York, so that was easy, since I'm local here. But um, to make sure we involved the remote team, we we did everything we could in terms of you know Skype meetings, webinars, you know using the webcam. And by all means, we supplemented that with on-site visits uh, and meetings and trainings. And sales went up. So it was a definitely great experience.
0: Definitely. I love how um, that really shows how uh, as an organization is growing or as a team is growing, um, you definitely go through different stages that are even possible when it comes to coaching. You know, you can coach one-on-one when you've got five or ten reps, and that's fine. If you have sixty reps, literally, there is not enough time in a week well, to coach all of them one on one. Until you have to implement teams, yeah, structure. you're
1: absolutely right. What ended up happening was I had meetings with you know kind of the team leaders, and we, we built a system where they were able to replicate what I did initially with the pilot group of ten, and it kind of spun off because yep. as as you and I both know, we're only one person each, right? Yep.
4: So. <laughs> Sometimes I very
0: None much wish I, I could have day. a
1: clone.
4: And no, the power so technology is cool, too, that you were saying how you yeah. guys tapped into some of those things. Yeah. I just learned recently that you could do a four-way FaceTime. Whoa. Did you know you could have four oh, people hi. on FaceTime? That that that's pretty cool. 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 I'll let you cool. know. Our, 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 my triad is going to try it next week. Oh,
2: nice. <laughs> your coaching triad.
4: My coaching triad, yes. Oh,
2: nice. <laughs> so for anyone who's curious, um, Elizabeth, I mean, Rebecca just started a new coaching program. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I I think about
0: that in
4: episode 107. I did. Yeah, I mentioned that in our episode, and then um, you'll probably hear a little bit more about it in our Q&A coming up here, Charles. But yeah, I started a Vistage Emerging Leaders program recently to really get coaching and mentorship and grow and hone skills even more. So yeah, I'm excited about it. It's been great so far.
2: I'm seeing the results. (laughs)
4: It's yeah, I, co- cool. I go to Charles every day. Hey, can you coach me on something?
2: <laughs> I was going to share Vistage, but you did that so so well. Um, just to add to what you were saying, so Vistage is a is a peer CEO and key executive group. Mm-hmm. It's international. There's, at this point, I think about 30,000. I'm not sure what the number is, but worldwide. And um, the uh, I've been in, in this group for over 10 years. And I'm, we meet in groups of about 15 to 20 people monthly. And there's also um, a one-on-one with the chair. So you get the benefit of the private session with your chair and a group. Now, me personally, I like the group. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear coaching a lot of the time, I hear one-on-one. Um, what Rebecca was referring to is triads, where there are three, which I think is really good. In my case, there's about 15 or 20 people. And um, one story quickly is that the last session I attended, I brought a recording of one of the demos that we give uh, of our our Calabria product. And I got my money's worth just in that session. (laughs) I mean, the feedback was amazing. They told me everything from the correct price point that they thought, the the pacing of the um, demo, what they liked, what they didn't like. So literally, I had a pilot... um, user group, focus group in, uh, in one session. And um, oftentimes when someone else is getting an issue processed, which is something in Visage called issue processing, the people who are silent are actually learning because Absolutely. 99% of the time the issue that someone else brings up is something you've either experienced or will experience.
0: Yeah, I think um, group advisory um, meetings like Vistage, like a WPO, like an EO, um, and a lot of these organizations, when you get that team together, kind of you're all coaching each other. And anytime you're in a meeting, um, and it's maybe not relevant to you in the moment. Uh, That could be relevant to you in two months, and you learn it in that session. Sometimes it takes
2: time to seep in.
4: Yeah, definitely. Such a powerful. It kind of reminds me of when you're working out and you get a group of people that are like really in it with you. Well, (laughs) I'm just thinking (laughs) about how I relate to this story. (laughs) (laughs) When I used to go to Hugh, which which stands for Hard Exercise Works, it's kind of like CrossFit, but like there was a staple group of people and. Every morning we went to the 5.50 a.m. class and it's like if one person doesn't show up, you're getting texts. Where are you? Why aren't you here today? And the answer is always, I looked at the wad. I'm not coming.
3: (laughs) I was going to say similar to um, the workout. It reminds me of, I used to do ballet, obviously, pre-professionally. And the one thing that we would always get Not yelled at about, but critiqued, is if someone else is getting a correction, which happens pretty much every three minutes in a ballet (laughs) class, um, there's no reason why you can't apply it to yourself. Because if you think that you're perfect, you're never going to be successful. There's always something that you can take away from someone else's correction, so...
0: I love that. A correction.
3: That's so polite. Yeah, that's what they're called. It's a correction. (laughs) (laughs) I've never thought
0: of it outside of that context. That is pretty weird, but it's called a correction. That is so funny. Um, So I don't know that that ties into the next topic, but we're switching Mm -hmm. topics anyway. Um, So we know uh, that coaching and mentoring is is incredibly important. And um, a lot of times in organizations, that comes off as a coaching or mentoring program that leadership would implement. Um, we often work with our clients to do this. Um, we see companies do this all the time, but there are challenges and concerns that people face as they're doing that. So what, what do you see as common challenges that leaders face as they try to implement coaching and mentoring in their organizations? So this is
3: one thing that I've learned from being at all the trainings with the guys here at Criteria for Success, or the girls, I should say, um, the girls and Charles. But <laughs> it's a really tough challenge for leaders to make people ha- be accountable to these programs and to make sure that they last more than a month um, or that they don't, people just stop meeting, whatever the case is, they're busy, oh, something else takes priority, I need to work on this proposal, I don't have time to meet with my mentee or my coachy, whatever the case might be. Um, mm-hmm. And I know Charles usually suggests triads, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: to have people work in triads. Um, you mean
2: with our clients? Yes, yeah, with our clients absolutely. to
3: establish this accountability so these things don't fall off the map. But that definitely is a challenge getting people to actually do what you ask them to do.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny. I introduced in the ebook this month. There's a coaching model that I talk about in different kind of levels of coaching, and the first foundational level, I don't even know if I wrote about it in the ebook, but I talk about it with clients. The first level of coaching is that coaching is happening. <laughs> because um, it doesn't matter, you can talk about coaching, train on coaching, tra- everything. If, if coaching meetings aren't happening, uh, nothing happens.
4: So that's really important, Arianna. Great point. Definitely. Yeah, I see two big challenges. And really what you were just talking about, Arianna, is kind of the first one, which is, you know, when people aren't completely bought in or committed to something, you're not going to get the value out of it. I noticed this and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I noticed this in my meeting that there seemed to be one or two people that weren't bought in that kind of kind of made it seem like their boss was forcing them to be there. And I don't want it to be like, you should just go home. Like don't even come here because you're just wasting everyone's time. You're right. wasting your own time. You're wasting the company's money. That's and just, point. you know, you gotta be in it. It's just like anything in life life. Like you're either in it or you're not. So be in it to win it. In it to win it. So you know if it's important to you, make it a priority. If it's not, then you know just take a step back. And I think the second thing, the second ch- possible challenge, is your willingness to accept negative feedback or any feedback, really, because mm-hmm.
2: there's going to or a correction,
4: or a correction. <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be moments where someone's going to say something to you that you're not completely uh, self-aware of. And that was actually our first month and challenge was all about self-awareness and recognizing your, they call it gifts, but recognizing when you're overusing a gift, (laughs) as in uh, being really super critical or, you know, doing something in a a way that you could correct. I like that correction. (laughs) And, you know, so you're going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and accept that you are acting a certain way or being a certain way or doing something a certain way, just really being, you know, looking inward. And again, you know, if you can't accept that you're a flawed human being like everybody else, you're really going to limit your possibilities for success. So those are the challenges that I see. So you've got to be committed and be willing to accept that feedback.
0: Definitely. Um, one other thing, I mean, I definitely think the the lack of kind of time commitment is the biggest one. Um, and sometimes leaders will say, hey, you're a coach, but not give that person time to coach. Yeah, you know, you're still sure. expected to do 100% of what you were doing before we made you a coach and coach on top of that. Um, And sometimes that's not realistic. I think you guys kind of talked about that already. The other thing that I see a lot of times is not setting clear expectations of what's required. Are you supposed to meet with somebody when they want to? Are you coaching somebody once a month? Are you coaching them once a week? Are you meeting with them for 10 minutes a day? Or is it like sit down with them for two hours at a time and have a really in depth conversation? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you do as a coach versus what their manager does in terms of reviewing their goals or accountability? Are you involved in the performance review process? Are you providing feedback to their manager? Um, There can be all different ways of setting up a coaching and mentoring program. And so somebody might've been a coach in a previous organization, and then they come in and you're like, oh, you've coached before, okay, just coach. Mm -hmm. They might have a completely different expectation and methodology. So I think just being really clear on what it means in your organization to be a coach, what are they expected to do? What are they accountable for? Are they being evaluated or measured in some way? Who's doing that? How? Um, It's so incredibly important just to be on the same
4: page so people know what they're supposed to be doing. Definitely, I wanna throw something out out there, um, and this was actually from that last month's meeting or this month's meeting with Vistage that I really liked. That our chair did, he went through all of everyone that was in the group. We're, we're all, all have our own triads, so he went to each triad and he wanted to know what each person within the triad is going to do to make the triad a success. Nice, so we all had to commit to something. So, my commitment was to create the agenda and run the actual call when we have the call. Someone else's commitment was to make sure that we have a meeting. You know, everyone had to commit to meeting, making sure that things go well. Just the success of the meeting, depending on one person, is going to make it harder. But if everyone kind of balances the responsibilities, at least it'll make sure it gets done I love that. That's such a great way of doing it, especially in that level where you're having kind of
0: peer coaching. Nobody's like in charge. Yeah. Um, Having everybody commit to the thing they're going to take
1: the lead on. That's great. Commitment comes back to buy-in as well. I mean, one of the main challenges that I see is resistance from certain team members? Come on, let's face it. We've all worked with the drama queens, right? <laughs> you know, as, as someone who's been, you know, in a training position, and I'm sure Charles and Elizabeth will agree with me as well. And Rebecca, we've all done some delivery. You look at X group of people and imagine you're, you know, the leader and you're responsible for these people. You've got, you know, of 10 people, you've got 10 different personalities. And mark my words, that two of them are drama queens in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> so I mean, you know, some to more extremes, others to you know less of an extreme, but. You people know, will to, resist.
4: Today we call that being extra.
1: They're extra, <laughs> extra. Yeah, that's actually a good point. But people nice. will resist. Like a lot of people are not comfortable with change, so you just have to show them what's in it for them, as far as that's concerned. In terms of you know trying to get them on board, but sometimes frankly they won't get on board, and you know you have to be able to be okay with that as well, right? Yeah. Another thing I've seen is, as as far as challenges are concerned is really one that I faced: how to deal with a remote team, mm-hmm. right? What if you're you know based in one city and your entire team is in a completely other city. How effective is it to do just, you know, webinar, Skype, phone call? We've all been on that boring conference call, right? Mm -hmm. Half of us are listening, half of us maybe not. You know, somebody's sleeping, right? Who knows what's going on? (laughs) You're sitting there waiting for your turn to talk. We're out of your mind. It's a little hard, right? But, you know, can you balance it with site visits or flying people in or, you know, somehow... Yeah. having a really good process to work with each other.
0: Even things like FaceTime. And um, we work with a client. They have an app called BlueJeans. I, I don't fully understand it yet, but everybody has in their offices a screen. So anytime you get on a conference call, by default, you see the person. Nice. Mm-hmm. And just the difference that, difference that that makes even just in how you have to participate if you know somebody can see you you're not going to be checking your email while you're on the phone with them Absolutely. because it's they can yeah. see yeah so that really drives a different level of commitment i um, we wrote an ebook a long time ago on coaching and give um, some approaches for coaching so if you are a leader looking to implement a coaching program and um, you're interested in um, just developing a methodology for coaches I would recommend checking out that ebook so I will include a link to that in the show notes
4: Awesome. And I can't tell you how many people I have seen on the Metro North train on a conference call for like the entire train ride and they don't say anything. And then all of a sudden we're getting into Grand Central and I hear them and blah, 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 blah. blah, And they say their thing and then they go back on mute. Yes. I've, Every train ride. I've <laughs> been that person. <laughs>
0: all of us have, right? I joined a it's conference so call funny. just last week where I was walking across town because there was, there was a problem with the train I needed to take. So I walked from Times Square in New York City to Grand Central. Everybody picture how loud and chaotic that is. And so I'm on mute the whole time. But then whenever I'd have something to say, I'd try to be like, um, you know, unmute myself. Sorry for the noise, blah, 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 blah. You say as fast as you can what you need to say and then turn right back on mute. So um, yeah, with all those horns challenges. and yes. sirens in the background. Oh my <laughs> it was loud. (laughs) All right. So um, we've been talking a lot uh, about kind of at a leadership level, how people uh, might approach a coaching program and challenges they face. But then um, what if you are looking to establish a relationship and work with a business advisor or a coach or a mentor? What are the best practices that you would recommend there?
2: So I think first thing you should do is make sure you have an objective that you want to get some coaching on and even a timeline associated with that. I also think that it's important to have good communication with your coach and the coachee. What do I mean by that? Like give and take, listen to each other. It's not just one way, it's two way and keep checking in. I think that's really important.
0: Definitely. Um, I had really similar thoughts. I mean, I think first of all, somebody you just have to have a good relationship, a good chemistry fit with the person. You could have the most expert person in the world, and if you're if you rub each other the wrong way, if you find them abrasive or irritating, or too cheerful, even whatever it might be, and they're not a personality fit. You're going to be resistant to the advice that you give just because you don't like them. So that doesn't mean find somebody exactly like you because you do need to get pushed outside your comfort zone sometimes, but it has to be somebody that you have that Just enough chemistry with that you trust and respect them. And then kind of to what you were saying, Charles, once you have that person, make sure you're on the same page with your goals for working together. Is this like a time-bound thing where I'm going to work with you for six months to achieve this objective? Or is this a long-term relationship that you're establishing where you're going to partner with somebody to help you um, over your career, over multiple years? Um, How often are you meeting? Um, can you just check in with them whenever you need help, or is this something where you're only meeting with them on a structured basis? Um, should they check in with you, um, or do you want to just restrict it to those meetings? Um, it's just so incredibly to be uh, so incredibly important to be on the same page with this because a lot of times you might be unhappy with what you're getting, but there wasn't. That commitment. So obviously, if you're engaging a paid business advisor or a coach, um, that should be in whatever contract you sign with them, um, all of the detailed expectations. But especially if you're working with somebody in an unpaid situation, whether they're a mentor for you, or whether you found a peer coach, you need to really spend some time at the beginning just getting on the same page with expectations um, to set up that relationship really at at the right level. So I kind of looked at this
3: from a more distant view. Um, I see a lot of people that we work with are in a bunch of different coaching and mentoring groups. Mm-hmm. Um, there's WPO, which is Women Presidents Organization. There's YPO, which is Young Presidents. Young or, Professionals, Youngs, Professionals, I think. Professionals, something of that sort. <laughs> there's Vistage. There's no. EO. There's so many. Um, So I, my advice would be to see if you can shadow different groups um, to decide which one's the best fit for you and your business needs, because they all offer something a little bit different, similar concept, but slightly different um, ways to go
0: about it. So definitely try to shadow different groups before you commit. That's such a great idea, especially when it comes to a group situation. You need to fit not only with the structure of the organization, like, do you like WPO? Does it make sense to you to be surrounded by other women as a woman? Or would you not find that helpful? Um, And then the specific people in the group that you're looking for. do you like the chair? Yeah, Um, it's so important. You might like the values of Vistage, but if the Vistage chair in your area isn't a good fit, or if that group isn't a good fit for you, um, you're not going to benefit from that. So it's something to think about. um, And that's such a great idea, making sure you visit.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree as far as that's concerned. I mean, another best practice that I would mention just, it comes back to the whole point of, okay, why are you looking to have to find yourself a business advisor, advisor, coach, or mentor, right? You have a pain point. So being that you have a pain point that should sort of spur you to create a list of expectations of, you know, kind of like what you're expecting from this coach or advisor or mentor that you engage with. Right. It's, you know, great and on the one hand to have coaching of any form right i'm just going to loosely call it all coaching but frankly you don't want to be in a situation where you're getting coached just for giggles like there should be uh, a an end result that affects you positively right Mm -hmm. so even
0: like milestones along the way
1: yeah like create a list of expectations whether it's you know as structured as milestones or not definitely some sort of structure should Mm -hmm. be there by all means right and how you organize it is going to vary depending upon what exactly you need and who this person coaching you is right and just make sure that there's always an open dialogue Like if there's something that you're not content with, don't be afraid to like mention that. If there's something that you like but would want more of, hey, mention that as well, right? Because again, it's a two way street, so it should be a win win. They're honing their skills while you're honing yours. That's such
0: a great point, and um, something we haven't really talked about. But you need to, at some points, really evaluate. You know, if if you had a purpose of a coaching relationship or an advisory relationship, look back at some points. Is it working? Are you getting the results that you were looking for? And if not. Do you need to find a different coach? Do you need to have just a serious conversation with your coach? Um, You don't want to just kind of follow along with a program that was established and look back a year later and like, wow, you know, we didn't get anywhere. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, uh, what advice do you guys have for listeners who are looking to find a coach, advisor, or mentor, but maybe don't have the support of their organization? We talked a lot about kind of organizations implementing coaching programs, but not every organization does that.
3: So my first thought on this was to see if you can find someone that you work with, a co-worker, mm-hmm. that would be willing to be a mentor slash advising partner with you. Um, this is like a pretty casual thing that you guys could promise to do with each other and have regular meetings. Like an accountability um,
0: partner almost. Almost,
3: or even just to say, hey, like this, is, I have a situation that's going on. want to grab lunch this week and we can talk about it. As simple as that. Because um, it goes down to like you don't need organizational support to ask a co-worker for advice or for help um and maybe even it starts with you offering advice to other people i'm not sure but
0: definitely just go for it i love that and it can be like a one-time thing or a more long-term yeah definitely that's great
2: i'm jumping on that i really like what you just said ariana and we at cfs even though we're a relatively small team we still have a coaching culture in the organization i actually wasn't thinking about saying this but when i heard you It reminded me of these sort of one-off coaching events. And we in the office constantly say, could you give me some coaching? You know, would you like some coaching? And the other person, I think we've all sort of been conditioned that when one of us says that to another, we listen, we're open usually. I mean, sometimes we're jammed up and it's like, now's not a good time. But for the most part, I like that an organization can create a coaching culture yeah, you didn't actually say that, but I think that's that's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, and I see that in other places too. But the question was, what advice would you like to provide So, um, to find a coach? So I would say find someone like you, similar personality, similar position in the organization, maybe even similar industry, that person that's hired a coach. So someone like you who's used a coach, who's gotten value from a coach, And that would be my first suggestion because they're likely to give you a referral that would be a good fit. Um, Don't just hire the first coach necessarily. I have no problem with people interviewing several coaches. And then if that doesn't work, if you don't find the coach you're looking for there, talk to a coach who's in an active coaching network like Vistage. We've mentioned that a number of times. So any Vistage chair that I know, and there's many, um, is in a network of coaches that mm-hmm. coach themselves so they could easily recommend several coaches to you
1: definitely that's great i think it's really important again i, I said this a couple times already you want to identify why you feel you need a, you need a coach advisor or mentor first and foremost right look for someone you're comfortable with i think charles already mentioned this so in terms of um, personality but um what i would add is don't necessarily be locked to a specific industry look outside of your industry and look for individuals in comparable roles because sometimes it's nice to get a fresh perspective from someone yep. who's kind of uh, involved in something a little bit different that can be very helpful too
0: Good definitely form. people sometimes just think everything must be industry specific um, and then you're, you're limited to one worldview
1: yep
4: all right i have a very specific place <laughs> to find the answer to this question. Download the ebook. You got me. (laughs) Yeah. This month's ebook in the mentoring section, there are some ideas on places to look for mentors, but it also applies to business advisors and coaches. And
0: I think we put advice for, I know I put, I wrote the coaching chapter. I put how to find a coach. I'm sure Charles wrote how to find a business advisor in his section. Yep. So So there's a lot of great stuff in there. Go to the show notes, download the (laughs) ebook. I love it. All right. And that leads us to our last question. What is one piece of actionable advice that you'd like to share that our listeners can apply today to improve how they work with mentors, advisors, and
1: coaches? Keep an open mind and don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Love it. Um,
0: I'm going to say, uh, use tools like a sales playbook to align on goals. We talk about playbooks a lot. We haven't really brought that up in the call today, Um, but it's so incredibly important with your coach that you're aligned on your goals. And so when we implement coaching programs, we actually do that through the playbook and people have pages where they can actually set goals and share them with their coach. You don't need to have a sales playbook necessarily, although that is the best tool to use, but, um, whatever your, your, technology is, whatever your platform is, make sure that you are sharing your goals with the coach. Sometimes you're going to work together with a coach to set goals. And then you want to make sure, um, that in the meeting you kind of align on them and then, you know, they email you or you email them, whatever it is, but, um, make sure that you are sharing goals on a regular basis, not just those big picture, but more tactical, um, and then in coaching sessions, one great thing to do is at the beginning of the coaching session, align on what are your goals for that coaching session? You know, what do you want to accomplish today? Um, so incredibly important. So I, I know I got kind of really specific there, but just the key is make sure you're on the same page with your goals. And if you're um, worried about setting goals, mm-hmm. I wrote an ebook on that too. So I'm plugging my ebook.
3: <laughs> so my my piece of act- actionable advice is always put it in the playbook. Um, and to keep it simple, since Elizabeth dove pretty detailed into what we do if you don't have the playbook or you don't have the coaching module for your current playbook please call natalia she <laughs> <laughs> will we'll help you
2: out with that in the playbook,
1: uh, reach out to us you know we're here to demonstrate it for you we're here to show you why it's good for you you'd be in good hands we'll figure it out
4: <laughs> love it you got very salesy there i love it yeah so my actual actionable advice is also to use your playbook but i i'm actually going to give a strategic uh, example here. So something that we do here internally that works really well. And this is actually going to be another thing to add to your show notes there, Elizabeth, I see you taking notes. Frantically. Is, uh, we have <laughs> we an, talk fast. <laughs> we have an ebook on how to create a sales prospecting action plan. So mm-hmm. if you're a manager and you're listening in, or even if you're a salesperson or if you're a CEO, having your department each person individually create a sales prospecting action plan um we do it by month or by quarter it charles depends. is dancing in his chair yeah, you hear some noises he's going crazy over there and also actually the mbo um manage-
2: prospecting meeting i mean i have to remind us about business
4: we have not um plugged the management by objective ebook in a while but that's another another thing that when we have quarterly management by objectives or you're creating monthly sales prospecting action plans, or you have both, you could actually put those in your weekly goal section of your playbook and then help that will help you to plan your weeks, plan your months, and then also the coaching page that we talked about to help coach you to your goals. So yeah, it all really ties
0: together in, in a sales context. It does need to tie to those MBOs, those kind of quarterly goals, which then roll down into monthly and, exactly. and weekly. It's It's so incredibly important to just be on the same page with that goal setting process.
2: You know, my piece of advice, and oftentimes I'm in a coaching role, so I can tell you that feedback from the coachee is really great. So let your coach know about your wins, where they've made a difference. And I think if you keep providing feedback both ways, um, but especially telling your coach what they've given you in terms of advice that you've implemented that's worked, will help you improve the coaching relationship.
0: I love that. I think it's so easy to just think about kind of what you're getting from the yeah. coach, but you really need to think about what you can give to the coach. And especially in a situation where it's a mentor and, and you're not paying them for it, but even a coach that you're paying. So just to let them know how they're making an impact for you. Um, it's really important and it, it, it definitely makes them feel good. They're, they're investing a lot of their time and energy in investing in you, kind of let them know um, that, that you value it. That's awesome, Charles. Thank you, everybody. This was a lot of fun. We are running out of microphones here. So um, fun to have so many people on the podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 111. That's pod 111. Next week, we are going to have a special Q&A episode where Charles and Rebecca will respond to listener questions about coaches, advisors, and mentors. By the time you hear this, it's going to be too late to submit your own question, but make sure to check it out anyway. I know they responded to a lot of really great, powerful questions and gave some great advice. In the meantime, stay tuned for this Friday's inspiration where I will be sharing a great quote from Ernest Hemingway. I think we've all heard of him. Beginning next month, we're going to be writing about planning on the CFS blog. You can check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com/blog. We will also be featuring an ebook that will help you start the new year strong. We are winding down 2018 if you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. This will help more people find the show, and it lets us know what's working and where we have room to improve. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskel, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!